0: Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Good morning to all of you. As we enter in to read God's Word, let us concentrate and listen closely to hear the voice of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you, Lord, to hear your voice and not the voice of men. We want to know your will and we want this praise of yours. be sung among all the nations may you indeed lift yourself up high by what we do and what we say today and throughout this week we love you and we care to love you even more so we ask you to work in our lives as we listen to you in Jesus name Amen having grown up in a foreign country in Iran a Muslim country I had a unique perspective on the value of lives being changed a place where women were treated as some sort of property a place where people suffered abuse by the hands of the leaders and there was great need for change we lived in a village for a year and there was no electricity no running water people were very poor and one had to wonder but who will come and tell these people about Jesus Christ will someone come My parents were those people. We showed up in a little village of about 64 inhabitants. And there in the mud hut type of church building without electricity, we decided to have a Sunday evening service. Well, there were no lights. So we had to park the Jeep at the back door and shine the headlights into the auditorium. And everybody held their Bible like this, and we had a service at nighttime. People came to listen. People are far more hungry to hear the gospel than others are to send the gospel. Even Muslim people, hungry to know who Jesus is and what it's about. In these days, there is a great revival occurring in the country of Persia, Iran. And many, many, many people are coming to Jesus Christ because missionaries in the past have gone and sowed the seed And these words of God are very powerful words. When they are given the opportunity and a hearing, they can change lives and eternities. And so we send these special agents off to put the seed of God into the hearts of people, like a time bomb that might go off in the future, hoping for some sort of a gain, hoping this will work. And of course we have to fund it. And so on that day when I was 13 years old and they handed me a little card, it said at the top of it, faith promise. I had no idea what that meant. What it meant was make a promise to God that by faith, if he will put money into your hand, that it will bounce from your hand into the work of God. Now, this wasn't money that I had. I was 13. I had no money. But it was a good promise at that moment in my life, since I had nothing, to say, God, in the future, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to prioritize your passion and your work so much. I'm going to love you with all my heart and soul and mind and strength, and I will give to your work. Now, of course, that included a certain percentage of my income, and above that, giving to missions work. And here was the card, it was looking at me. And the least amount of money that you could give on this card was $2. So, so that's, that's what I did. Two, two, I'm 13. I had to get a job now. So that I could give to God's work. And I did get a job. And by the time I was 17, my promise had increased to $10 a week. But I was only making $12 a week. So if you tithe from $12 a week, that's $1.20. And if you give $10 to missions, you're left with 80 cents. But I had a job and I was investing in God's work. By the time I got to college, this had so grown in my heart that I gave away what it would take to go to college. I decided, God, if you'll put the money in my hands, I'll let it bounce off of my hand and into your work. And then we'll just see what you can do with my college school bill. And God paid my college school bill. So we got married My wife and I decided it'll be $75 a week now. That's $300 a month, actually a little bit more. And that's enough to buy a car. We'll give our car payment to the Lord. Instead of having a nicer or newer car, we will make ourselves poor that others might be rich. We'll do it on purpose. Now, this is a lot easier to do when you don't have any money. Granted, (laughs) if you have money and you have bills and you're older, it's like, wow, that's a tough thing to do. Sacrifice for God's work. But if you don't have any money, it's much easier to do. So young people, listen to me. Now's the best time to decide to give to God's work. okay? and if you have a job and financial security, ask God to take it all away from you. Because then it will be easy. Six months of unemployment will straighten out your thinking. And and then you'll be like, well, if the Lord would just give me a job, I certainly would give him back some of the money. To, so so pray for unemployment. <laughs> Trials straighten out the heart. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it gets get you right right where God wants you to be. Gets you to seeing the things that God sees and the people that God sees and their poor, broken existences. In my town of 10 million people, a third of them still live without water or electricity. Now, it's becoming much more affluent all the time, but they are poor. Now, it's one thing to be poor physically or financially. It's another thing to be poor spiritually and have absolutely no one come and tell you the truth. And so you live your poor little existence in your dirt floor hut, and then you grow up to be a poor adult, and you have more poor children, and they all die, and they never heard, that's poor. There there are things worse than being financially poor. And there are things worse than being made financially poor, like being made spiritually poor, and you have have nothing. You, You have no truth. No one has come to preach the Word. And so in this existence, in these days, silently behind the scenes where neither Fox News nor CBS, liberal nor conservative, will tell you about the brothers and sisters who gave their life for the gospel last year. You know how many people died for the gospel's sake last year? 167,000 of your brothers and sisters put their life on the line to make sure that others... Giving your whole life to serve God is not Rare. Lots of people are doing it. They give of their income, they give of their time, they, go, they take trips to places, and they become the voice of God in the life of others. This happens very commonly. There are right now, at this hour, young men passing over the border between Iran and Iraq with backpacks full of SD cards. And on that card, it has the Jesus film and the Bible in two versions and two commentaries and other discipleship materials. And as they go across, risking their lives back and forth, they are creating a revival underground. This thing of risking yourself for God, it's, it's not uncommon. There are a lot of people doing this because Jesus made promises... That if you could just see things the way he sees them, it would change the way you live your life and it would be worth it. So it's a very common question. Even Peter asked this question. And I I want you to join me, will you please, in Matthew chapter 19. We're going to look at this question, is it worth it? I mean, if I go sacrificing for God and start giving to the missionary work on a weekly basis, will it be worth it? Well, let's see what Jesus answers to that question. I've had to answer that question as I've given away enough money for a fridge and a stove. I had this, uh, somebody started off like this and they came up to my wife and they said, Here, honey, this, this is for a, you can buy your children a biscuit. Okay, And they handed her a $20 bill. So that very day they held an offering for the missionary and he needed a car. And we had a new $20 bill and we just got it. And so that was easy. You know, it's easier to let go of money if you haven't, like, grabbed onto it real tight. So we put the $20 bill in the offering plate. And right after church, someone else gave my wife $20. And so we gave that $20 bill away. And, and then God blessed us with a $20 savings coupon. And we thought, well, man, if that works with a $20, we will try that with $100. It would be far more exciting. I gave away that same $100 bill seven times. In three months, just just making that same promise to God. God, if you'll put the money in my hand, it won't stick. I'm not praying that you will give me something so that I'm richer. I'm praying that you will give me something so that they are richer. Put it there. It will bounce. Please, God, I make a promise to you to have the faith that you will put it in my hand and I will be faithful to bounce it along into your work. And that's what faith promise became for me. Seeing God's perspective. So, as a young man, I was inspired by sacrifices of missionaries and by the songs that they sang. Let me see this world, dear Lord, through your eyes when men mocked your holy name. When they beat you and spat upon you, Lord, let me love them as you love them just the same. Let me put aside my petty problems and blur my eyes with tears of agony. For if once I could see this world the way you see, I just know that I'd serve you faithfully. Oh, that we could wake up and just see for a second or two What Jesus sees going on all around the world and then sacrificing for His work wouldn't seem like a sacrifice at all. It's not. It's not a sacrifice. It's an investment program. And it pays a hundred times the dividends. Matthew chapter 19 registers this conversation between Jesus and Peter. Peter representing the same feeling. Well, uh, is this worth it? Matthew 19 verse 27. Will you read with me? These are the words of God. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, how do you leave a house? Well, you don't just lock the door. You, You say, I could have had that house, but... I'm not going to have that house. It was an investment I wanted to make for my financial security in the future, but I just I've, we've left it off. You can leave cars. You can leave luxuries. You can leave a, an extra coffee a week. There's all kinds of things you can leave, but there, there's no one who's left houses. Well, let's read verse 29. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake, he shall receive a hundredfold... And inherit eternal life. So, question. uh, Jesus, if we sacrifice something for you, will it be worth it? Answer. It'll be worth 100 times whatever you invest. What you got. Because I'll pay you back. It doesn't matter what you leave off. If you have to leave off a family relationship because they just won't follow you in sacrificing for the Lord's work then go ahead and do it and I'll pay you back a hundred times worth. Now, this has certainly been happening in my life since God taught me this at an early age. And the house that I tried to give away, God gave back to me. And I own a home. I'm a missionary. I'm supposed to be poor. I've been trying to be poor. Actually, I'm buying a second house. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm trying to give sacrificially, and God laughs at me. And He laughs at my puny generosity and my sentimentalism as I think I'm doing some great thing for the Lord, giving 30% of my income to His work. And so He laughs and blesses. And He says He'll do it now and in the life to come. Verse 30. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. That's a lot. Uh, whoever puts their life first and they hang on to things and they've got to have the latest cell phone and they've got to have the latest thing and everything's got to be updated and they put their interests and their desires first, they will be in the back of the line. Like when in kindergarten, of course, I was the fastest runner. Run, I'm first in line at the water fountain. And about every other day, the teacher would say, okay, the last person is now going to take drink first and the first person is going to drink last. And that was my first exposure to this first is last and last is first. I was very young, but God was working in my heart. And he was saying, look, put yourself first and win the race, but I'll just put you at the back of the line. That's how it goes in my economy. Go ahead and give yourself a Christmas present. And I'll take it away from you. Because if you put yourself first, I'll put you last. But if you put yourself last, I'll put you first. That's how it works with God. Because it takes humility To go before God and say, I don't deserve. But somehow, sneaky in our hearts comes this thought that we deserve more. That God is somehow giving us the short end of the deal. That we invest and we give and then God doesn't quite pull through. Or He blessed the other guy more than He blessed the me. And that doesn't seem right. So Jesus tells a story to address Himself to that problem in our hearts. The problem of thinking that I'm not sure it's worth it to sacrifice for God's work. I'm not sure that leaving off, that radically cutting my income and giving it systematically to the world mission that God has. I'm not sure that that's worth it. Chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early... In the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour. That's nine o'clock in the morning. And he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And he's asking them, trust me, okay? If if you get involved in my reaping, then I will pay you back. Now, for today, that goes like this. Trust me and get involved in my reaping, and I will pay you back. It sounds very similar. Okay, God is saying, involve yourself financially, time, interest, energy. Involve yourself in what I'm doing, and I will pay you back. Now, just trust me. And so they did. And it was 9 o'clock in the morning, and they took off, verse 6. And about the, no, uh, verse 5. And he went out about the 6th hour, noon, and the ninth hour, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And he did likewise. And about the 11th hour, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? Okay, now. There were some who went out at 6 o'clock in the morning, some went out at 9 o'clock, some that went out at noon, some that went out at 3. Now here's here back at 5 o'clock. It's 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And he says, um, <clears throat> I see that you're not involved in the harvest yet. Uh, why, why don't you go get involved in the harvest and I'll, I'll, I'll repay you. Why have you been standing here idle all day? And that's the word of Jesus for those who are not involved in his work. Why are you standing here idle all day long? Okay, well, what's their response? Um, Verse seven, they said to him, because no one hired us, (laughs) it's certainly not our fault. (laughs) It's because we just didn't get the right opportunity. No one hired us. And he said to them, well, you also go to the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came, who were hired about the 11th hour, they received a denarius. Well, when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. Now, they were told they would receive a certain amount. But they they supposed that they would receive more. And they likewise received each a denarius. And when they received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. So so he wraps it up with the last first, first last thing again. Just to make sure that we understood that those two things are tied together. The the first question is, is it worth it? Well, it's worth a hundred times whatever you have to invest. And if you leave off houses and lands and relationships and things for God, God will make it worth your time 100 times as much. Now, that doesn't mean leaving off your wife to go to the mission field. Of course not. Take her with you. It's awesome to have a wife on the mission field. Okay. It, it obviously, we'll have to figure out those details later. But the central point being, whatever you give up, I'll make it worth your time. Do you need God's blessing on your economy? Try giving to mission sacrificially, It'll surprise you. You can't give away money when you're investing it in God's word. This is not a sacrifice. It is an investment. It is not a bill to pay. It is an investment opportunity. Try it out and see. The same God who said, Bring all the tithes and offerings to my storehouse and see if I will not pour out from heaven. And from my windows, blessings upon your life. That same God is saying, invest in my harvests all around the world. Why are you standing by idle? And those words echo in the hearts and minds of some who stand by idle. And in others, they are motivated to do something because they don't want to hear those words again. Preacher, please don't say it again. But I'm going to. Why are you standing by idle all the day long? These are the words of Jesus. Why aren't you involved in the great harvest around the world? Because even if the hour is late, you can get involved. And believe me, you won't get the ripoff. He will get the ripoff. God is not getting a good deal from his servants. He is overpaying everyone. He gives what is his, what is not ours. And he, the money we have is not ours. It is his. And he gives what is his so that we might invest it wisely so that he can bless us. What kind of a plan is this? Where he gives and gives us opportunity and then blesses us for taking advantage of the opportunity. Oh, but we appropriate ourselves of our homes, in our cars, in our possessions, and we consider them to be our things. I remind my children all the time, that telephone that I bought for you is not your phone. That's my phone. If you use it for unholy purposes, I will take it away from you. Because it is mine. Okay. That, it, it's mine. All the phones in, in our house are my phones. They're not their phones. Because I don't want my children to grow up thinking that something actually belongs to them. It doesn't belong to them. They've they got to get that straight at home so that they can see straight with God. Because it's exactly what God's going to tell them. But that's not yours. You're holding on to it so tightly. But it's not yours. It's mine. Don't get things messed up. Don't think that God somehow, you sacrifice. Oh, aren't you impressive. You sacrificed, and God only only blessed you as much as he blessed someone else who came late to the party. Oh, but aren't we so tempted to fall into that idea? That's why Jesus tells the story. He wants to get this last, first, first, last thing across. And so he says, if you will put yourself last, I will put you first. This is my my guarantee. Now let's look through and just glean a few more things from this story about a harvest. Shall we? In verse 1. Early in the morning, he went to hire laborers. This is a priority for God. Hiring laborers for the harvest is his priority. It's what he wants to do proclaim his fame throughout the world. And God starts on this early in the morning. We might not catch up to him till noon on account of we're busy or no one's hired us or we just felt like we didn't have the opportunity. But God is at this seven days a week, all night long, all day long. God doesn't stop working in the harvest. We're the ones who need rest and Time off, and, but, but this, is, this is priority for God. He starts the harvest thing early in the morning. Verse 2. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them. They were authorized. They were given responsibility. They had made an agreement. And God will do right by those who make agreements with him. In verse 3... It says, he went out the third hour and saw others standing by idle. Now that's his opinion. Uh, not, Not everybody shares that opinion. But in God's economy and the way he sees things, there are Christians who are busy in the work of God who have surrendered and grown and are telling, who are sacrificing for God's work around the world. And then there are Christians who are idle. They aren't doing that. They're not busy in the work. And so his judgment, his negative comment, his analysis is, I went out there and there were some people that weren't involved yet. And so uh, in my little heart, I called them idle. And, well, that's what they were. Because I'm God and I'm always right. That's the way God speaks to himself. They were idle. They weren't involved. And so I invited them, and some accepted. Uh, Verse 4. And he said to them, You also go to the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. There you go. They went. And that's good. Because for them it's good. Because they took advantage of the opportunities. Now you have the opportunity to invest in the missionaries that you already support, and maybe other missionaries in the future, if your missions budget grows. For instance... Invest in Peru. Come and help me build a camp. God has already provided the the land, $80,000, and it's paid off. We own a huge tract of land. He's already provided the metal roof for the building. We just need somebody put together. Any welders here? We need somebody to put together a fence. And help us dig for a pool and build some, a place where we will sing and worship to God. And then our camp ministry, which has grown from 45 people to over a thousand people. It's going to double in one year. The first year that we have camp on this ground. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and sweep over our campground as I have seen Him do for the last 18 years. And He is going to save people and change their lives. And He is going to call them into ministry. And He is going to change a country. And now Peruvians are talking about being the epicenter of world missions in the next century. Because God is working mightily on more than 200 occasions as I've witnessed to someone and looked in their eyes and seen the change occurring, I have said, this is the power of God on their life. And when you have given to missions in the past and supported our ministry, you take part in that. This harvest of God is a very fruitful work. You must consider not being idle, but rather involving yourself in on the greatest eternal opportunity. God is inviting. It is His idea. And He is saying, come. Come and join me. And I say to you, come and join one of your missionaries. Now, your church supports the Lyles, missionaries to Creative Access Nations. Those, those are my parents. And for the last 13 years, you've been supporting my parents. Thank you very much. I can't support them. They're, they're big boy and girl. they got to take take care of themselves and they're off in their corner of the world and my brother John's off in Italy and my uncle's over in New Zealand and and I got all I can handle in Peru. Thank you for supporting a missionary who right now is in Beirut, Lebanon with a net catching the people as they come out of Syria You've heard about Syria and the war? and Yeah, they're an hour and 45 minutes from that. And here they come and networks of disciples are being developed all over Syria right now. And my parents at 70 years old have decided to learn Arabic. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> like Farsi wasn't enough. So now they're learning Arabic. And like the Israelites who stood with a sheet and watch the birds come flying through, and then they just... (laughs) They're doing that with Christians, as people convert from Islam to the Lord of Heavens, Jesus Christ. The greatest harvest in that part of the world, in history, is occurring right now. Are you a part of it? Well, you are. If you give to missionary work and you're investing in the Lyles to creative access nations, your church is already... If you give and your mission is... You might not know it, but you're taking part of the, one of the greatest revivals that has ever occurred in humankind, and your church is doing it because you're involved. You have positioned yourselves to not be idle, but to work in the work. And your other 18 missionaries are out working hard and smart as well. We live our lives to be holy and have the power of God upon our lives. I preach at least 400 times a year. At least. Teaching and preaching and counseling and and training disciples. It's a good investment for your church to get involved in missionaries. And I say this with 36 years of experience of giving my money to other missionaries. And since I said idol so many times, I doubt that you're going to support me anymore. I have nothing to gain. Except for this, to give you the opportunity to serve your Lord wholeheartedly and to imitate your Lord, Jesus Christ, who made himself poor, that others might be rich. Oh, that we might be more Christ-like in this aspect. Verse 7. They said, No man has hired us. It was a lame excuse. He had already been out there. Where were they the first time? Maybe they missed the meeting. Maybe no one told them. Because we're not involved because no one has hired us. No one has given us the opportunity. Well, may I have the privilege to give you the opportunity? Your church gives to missionary work all around the world. Will you take the opportunity to invest financially a certain percentage of your income? And if you can't do that, then do it by faith and say, God, if you'll give me extra income from that thing or from that or whatever, I will take that income and instead of assimilating it into my own economy, I will pass it on. By faith, I promise to you to give you everything that I make in this other little enterprise or business. Okay? Start yourself a little, you know, picking up cans on the highway thing or whatever. And ask God to bless that for missionary work. And then, fasten your seatbelt. Because there are some prayers that change lives and eternities. And you will watch God pour into your faithful hands money which will rebound into his work and do things that you could never do on your own. And your little insignificant life and economy will become central in importance to what God is doing. I invite you to work and not be idle. As one of your missionaries, I invite you, come and help me build a camp in Peru, a place Where thousands of lives will be changed and hundreds of young people. If the the trend continues, hundreds of young people will join us in the harvest full-time and many, many, many will be saved. Come help me. Build a camp. We need your help. Uh, we're doing a few other things there too as well. I'm, I'm real busy. But it's because I don't just serve you. I don't want to be a good bang for the buck. For you only, I'm doing this for Jesus, and he is worthy. And you have many servants with whom you can co-labor, verse 10. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received a denarius. There's the problem. We suppose things. We suppose that if we gave away some of our money to God's work, that we'd be less happy. It's called, the, in, in Spanish, el engaño de las riquezas. It, it, it is called the foolishness or the lie of riches. If, since I only have so much money, if I give some of it away, I won't be as happy. If I had more money, I'd be more happy. And we sing ourselves a song. If I had more money, I'd be more happy. Mm, mm, mm. And then we believe it. But it's not true. Since I don't have much, if I give some away, I won't be nearly as happy. Uh. But that's not true either. We sing ourselves these songs, and God says, Think of it a different way. Put yourself last and trust me to put you first. Put yourself last economically. And trust me, that's what it all boils down to. It all comes down to whether I think that God is going to rip me off or whether I think that God in the first place is getting ripped off because he is recruiting such unfaithful servants. Are we not poor material to be the followers of God? And yet he includes us with all our idiosyncrasies and bad ideas and holes in our theology. God recruits us. Do we trust him to reward us according to what we are worth or do we trust him to reward us beyond what our labor is worth? How much do we trust the Lord? Well it's, it's tested each and every time we give to his work or, or don't give. Our trust in God is what is in question. Our trust of God is what is at stake. Let us proclaim to him that he is more than trustworthy by writing a check to a cooperative fund where together we can do far more than any one family can do. I invite you to be far more involved in your work so that the judgment of Jesus Christ might not fall on your work and him call you idle in the near future. Let us pray. Lord we surrender ourselves to you asking you to change us to be more and more like Jesus Christ. We ask you please in the name of Jesus that you work in our hearts letting us know that which you require of us. May we be faithful stewards of all that you have entrusted to us. Please give us so that we might give. And help us to see these things from your perspective. Amen.